Welcome to Open Mind GFO Radio. This is your host, Alejandro Rojas. Today is a special Roswell edition of the show, uh, recorded almost entirely on my iPhone. And you can hear in the background that is uh, a couple of things. We've got Gort from the day the Earth stood still. Uh, on a UFO in front of me and then behind me you're hearing alien voices from an alien attack kind of scenario that uh, plays out every 20 minutes also in the Roswell Museum here so which is where I am now you can see all of this on my Facebook I did a couple Facebook live videos where uh, I showed did a little tour of the museum and last night was the light parade which we participated on and i did a facebook live i live streamed that parade so you could see that um i think yeah both of those are on the open minds page but also on my own personal facebook so now uh hopefully you could hear me during that alien attack while that was happening but yeah, um, Martin, sorry Martin, he probably doesn't know this yet, but uh, I won't have time for him on this show since I'm on the road in Roswell and I gotta get this show going. Um, so, anyway, what I've done for this show is that I've recorded a bunch of people. So, we're gonna hear first from Frank Kimbler. So, an update from Frank. Of course, we had him on not too long ago talking about how he was going to talk with the BLM and he was freaking out because he was afraid he was going to get arrested or they were going to take his stuff. And uh, so we, we will get the latest and greatest from him on what happened with his meeting with the BLM. We're also going to talk to, um, who is that? Oh, Karen and Travis. So Travis Walton is here. He's here every year at a table. So asking him his impressions of Roswell. Uh, Karen, my, my lovely girlfriend and owner of the UFO Congress, um, sitting next to me here, also joined in on that conversation. And then after the first break, we will hear from Jason McClellan and uh, Shane Hurd. So Shane Hurd, I don't know if I've uh, you know much about him because he's really kind of a listener and he's also on Facebook a lot, but he's a buddy. He's in the Phoenix area. So he, uh, with Jason McClellan, uh, of course, formerly of Open Minds, but with Rogue Planet and doing his own thing, are out here doing uh, podcast kind of interviews. And so we talked to them about Roswell. Also, Yvonne Smith, who's here every year. In our wrap-up, we talked to Jim Hill, who's a director of the museum, and Stanton Friedman. So we have a special Stanton Friedman section because he's retiring, and this is his last hurrah here in Roswell. So that's all coming up. First, let's go ahead and get into our first interview with Frank Kimbler. All right, so I am here now with Frank Kimbler. Of course, we've had him on the show recently, but now we can get an update. 
So how did your meeting with the BLM go? You know, that BLM meeting was, I went in there scared to death. I spent three, maybe four days without getting any sleep because they said, uh, their archaeologist said, I want to see your artifacts and uh, there's going to be an enforcement officer here. The first thing that went through my mind is they're going to confiscate the material and they're going to throw me in jail. So I go into the office, go through a couple of locked doors. I get met by the archaeologist there, a very tall, pretty woman, archaeologist, slender, very smart. Um, She takes me back to their conference room, and there's two other people in there. There's the regional manager, his name was Jim, there was a lady by the name of Helen, and there was the archaeologist. No enforcement officer. So they all introduced themselves, and I said, where is your enforcement officer? And so the district, the, the area manager did all the talking, and he said, well, Frank, and he had this nice western draw, he says, well, Frank, he says, it was not our intent to scare you, and there's not going to be an enforcement officer in here. And I'm going, well, that just opens up everything. And he says, we want to talk to you and get clarification on our rules and our regulations, and let's, let's find out what's going on here. So we talked for 90 minutes, and the very first thing I said was, did you get that document that is a BLM publication that says you can collect stuff less than 100 years old with a metal detector and keep it without fines or anything. We got that. And they were all nodding their heads and they're going, we saw that. And they said, that document is a little vague on our rules, but we understand where you're coming from. So you know what? I think between the massive amounts of media attention that came about from Facebook and Twitter and everything, I think they got the message, plus that document, and they basically didn't do anything. We just Mm -hmm. talked about, I said that I would help them preserve the area, that I would stop doing my metal detection out there work, and that I would share all of my data with them. And I even went in the back, the office of the archaeologist, and we expanded the archaeological resource section of that from like 50 acres to like 350 or 400 to get it even, even more protection. So that, and then the rest of the time was kind of interesting because they were asking me questions about the plains of San Augustine, about Socorro, Aztec, and it turned to conversations in reference to ufology and we were laughing and joking and it all came to an end and all all along the archaeologists said three or four times I really do need to see the artifacts to make a determination and the other people that were there were sort of rolling their eyes around going who cares so I for now I think they're going to let it go however the young archaeologist may push it and, and if she does, then um, I may have to take them in and show them, which would be kind of hard to do because, as far as I know, they don't exist anymore. So, who knows? The artifacts are elsewhere. They're not in my possession. I don't have them. So, how can I take them over there? I can't. You don't have the artifacts anymore? Oh, no. They disappeared. It was mysterious. You know how Roswell things kind of mysteriously disappear? These have mysteriously disappeared. Uh, with their mysterious disappearance and then their mystery location, are they still undergoing the planned uh, analysis? Maybe. <laughs> okay. Maybe. Are you still... Well, you're, you're smiling, 
so it means that you're still positive about what potentially may come from Let's all of this. Let's put it this way. We're going to have some answers in less than a year. And they're, they're either answers that are going to be embarrassing for me as a scientist, but I'll, I'll take the, the bad. Or it could be really good. It could be that it's extraterrestrial in origin, which I'm really hoping for. Um, but being a scientist, and everybody knows that I do scientific work, and I do good science, I'll take... I'll take the good with the bad either way. It doesn't. It's not going to stop me from doing my research, and I will just keep doing it until I either prove that it... I mean, I can already prove that Roswell happened. I can prove the military was out there. But uh, what, I, what I need to prove is that extraterrestrial component to it. Not just hearsay, physical, hardcore evidence. And we're close. I, I've said... In the newspapers, and I've said it to a, to a couple of people, I'm one or two tests away from proving it, and it's going to happen mm-hmm. either way. And that's where we're at right now. Perfect. So in the background, people can hear the UFO here in the museum taking off and the music associated with it. But I guess now moving to, like, this festival. Now that you've been out here, you know, Roswell's your new home. How long have you been here now? I've been in the Roswell area now since 2009, so I've been here for nine years. Wow, that long already. Nine years come the end of July, mm-hmm. so it's, it's right on, dead on. So what is your perspective as far as the festival goes and its importance to uh, the UFO field, especially now that you've gotten familiar with all of that, uh, something that you weren't as familiar with in, in 2009? You know, Roswell, Roswell is part of our culture. It's pop culture. It's, I mean, it's woven everywhere. If you watch, like, the Indiana Jones movies, they mention Roswell, like, in the Crystal Skull. They mention Roswell on lots of TV shows, lots of science fiction. There's Roswell everywhere. When anytime, anytime you hear, anytime you mention the word Roswell, People say, or you mentioned, if you say you're from Roswell, people automatically come back and say, isn't that where the UFO crashed? <laughs> Everybody, if you uh-huh. say you're from it's it's amazing. And I never thought that I would run across such a phenomena as what Roswell is. We've got thousands upon thousands of people that are coming to this festival to learn not only about Roswell, but to learn about ufology, period. They're curious. And that, you know what, that curiosity is a good thing. So we get that whole curiosity, discovery, exploration. People are excited. They're really jazzed. And this is something that's not only good for Roswell, but it's good for everywhere. Mm -hmm. So people are interested, and that's what makes it fun. Have you heard people say, you know, but it was such an old case. Why do we need to rehash all of this old stuff? And if if you have heard that, which I'm assuming you have, what is your response to that? You know, I've heard that story, that stories about, you know, Roswell's old. That's not true because there, even though most of the people have died, there are still people coming forward saying, you know what, my grandfather told me stories about Roswell and he was in the military. Or we have people looking, doing similar work to what I've been doing that are making fantastic discoveries with like the Ramey memo, using modern analytical techniques to look at these things, to get the writing off of it, to compare photographs. We've got some smart people in the ufology field that are starting to apply some really good science and bringing forward some some new things that are actually helping the world. It's helping to prove that that maybe the government really was doing a cover-up, which I know that they did. And there's new stuff coming out. It hasn't died yet. I don't think it will because there's more stuff that keeps coming out all the time, and it's new stuff. So it's not dead. 
Um, it's not one of these things where we can beat beat the dog to death because that's not going to happen on this. It's going to keep going until people get the truth, and I think that's the reason why it's going to keep going. People want to know what happened here, and that's an important aspect of this. My last question is, because especially because you've been so close with the museum since you're a resident here, um, and you've kind of been able to have a more intimate look at how this all works compared to most people, uh, and there is this this idea out there that all of this is perpetuated by all of the researchers we have here in order to make money uh, so they can remain, you know, keep selling books. Do you, do you believe that to be the case? You know, what, what a capitalist society, right? People are going to make <laughs> yeah. money. People are going to make money off of everything. People, stay, people make money off of World War I and World War II. Well, how much, how much beating to death can we do on that? Yeah. Uh, the Vietnam War. People, people make money off of everything. Uh, the Pentagon uh, UFO thing. People, people are making books on that. People are making money. People are advertising that. Um, it's all part of. Uh, it's all part of America. It's what we do. We 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 live on sensationalism. Unfortunately, we you know there's lots of fake news out there. So that makes it even more fun. Because you've got to be able to sort the good from the bad, and you know what? Um, I don't sell any books, but you know what? I'm going to make a book, and it and it, it will sell. Uh, and and of course, I'm going to have some documents, some new documentaries coming out. And I'm not in it for the money, but the money just flows. And I I don't think it's a perpetual thing. It just goes into curiosity. I mean, if that answered your question, I. Well, I mean, uh, but have you made a substantial amount or the other two people who are really the, the biggest booksellers in this arena, like Don and, and Tom, who are across from you, or Stanton, who's over there, do you believe, as far as you know, are they really making much money? You know what? I would have to say that maybe the top name people that are out there probably make a little bit of money, but I, I, I've made zero. Uh, other people like Ron Rieger, who's who's a really good ufologist and, and researcher. I know he's made zero. I think I've gotten maybe a free beer and, and maybe a dinner out of this, and maybe a couple of trips to some conferences and things. But I haven't made any money off of it, and yeah. I don't think that. Um, I think maybe they might make a living, but I don't think they're getting zillions of dollars off of it. I think it's something that they do because it's a passion and they want to get the story out. I don't think any of these people, they do it for fun. That's, that's my, my take on it. Meeting all of you and, and you know, meeting you and meeting the rest of the people that are around here, they're not getting rich off of it, but they are trying to get a story out. And not only that, it's like a community and they're having fun doing it. Mm-hmm. That's my take on it. Great. All right. Thank you very much. You're welcome. It's always a pleasure talking with you. So I'm here with Karen, my lovely girlfriend, of course, the queen of the International UFO Congress, and uh, Travis Walton. So going to talk with them about Roswell. So, Travis, you have been coming to this event um, for many years now. Uh, what to you makes Roswell important uh, and relevant? Well, it's an extremely well-organized event, and there's a tremendous amount of community support. And, uh, you know, there are people coming here from uh, all over the United States, other countries, 
and uh, you know it's it's sometimes it's really great to see people that uh, from that you've met from years before. Mm-hmm. And um, I almost said honey Karen. So. What do you think when it comes to Roswell? Because some people, you know, we hear this, oh, it's so old. Um, but obviously coming here, it's important to people. I mean, do you feel it's still relevant? I mean, yeah, because uh, there's always new generations coming up. And people want to bring their kids. And a lot of people, it's just something that they've always wanted to do. And they might not have ever, ever read anything about UFOs. But when they get there, they become inspired to start reading things they pick up a book or two while they're here they read things on the wall they start getting more into it but it's a way for you know the general public to feel comfortable with this subject you know because it's a festival and everybody else is here and you know otherwise they might not feel like they can do that Um, but the festival allows a lot of people to experience the ufo phenomenon and some of the researchers that are doing work in the field Mm -hmm. so i think that's an important thing and surprisingly, uh, new stuff comes about uh, out about uh, all these cases, you know, from time to time. Uh, you know, they, they think they've heard it all, and it's, it's not all uh, been brought out yet. Mm-hmm. Now, with you, uh, Travis, in your case, I mean, when um, you come to this event, and there are so many people coming through it, and you do talks, do people seem to be aware uh, of your case? Oh yes, it's, uh, you know people you know will will recount that they've uh, seen uh, broadcasts and various things, uh, but uh, they're still eager to hear more. Um, and I'm learning more. I, I encountered one uh, attendee yesterday whose brother uh, was in the Air Force at the time, and he was the helicopter pilot in the in the military investigation of my case. Wow, that's really interesting. That's that's crazy. Um, also with Roswell, it, it's fun. You know, I'm wearing an alien hat and an alien T-shirt, and everybody's got aliens. They have kind of a, a, a foiled hat contest out there, so there's all kinds of people with creative tinfoil hats, costumes, dog costume parties. Do you think that's a problem, or how do you feel about the, the, the festival part with people having fun with the topic? Well, I got to admit that I, I feel a little bit of dismay with that kind of frivolity and uh, uh, festival uh, atmosphere. But, you know, when you have a community support and you've got, you know, alien uh, laundromat and alien dog grooming, I mean, it's a- alien everything. It's, a, um, it's, it's really just kind of a, a, a fun approach. I try to try to be a little more accepting i used to really take exception to that kind of stuff because to me it's uh, there's this dead serious core reality at the same time they're turning it into uh, kind of an event you know mm-hmm. what do you think but i think it more more and more now it's that people actually like it it's not they're making fun of it they just really like it and it's a fun thing and it's more acceptable now so it's less being made fun of it's just more a celebration i think that's kind of a, a good point. It's not totally, and it's left being laughed at and more being laughed with kind of sort of thing. Like even AlienCon we went to, everybody's there because they love Giorgio and they love AlienCon, the alien, ancient aliens, uh, and they take that all very seriously, but they also like to have fun, you know, and um, same... pride in their beliefs in there by wearing a shirt or something like that you know they're not i'm not afraid to show that i you know i believe Mm -hmm. 
And I think that, you know, your case, of course, Travis, it's a very serious situation. And, and uh, every time we've had witnesses, you know, and Karen and I have organized a lot of the different witnesses regarding your case to come forward. And often it is very serious and, and emotional. Um, but uh, many of the people involved, yourself included, still... Um, you know, have fun with the community and that, you know, it is something it, it's not all serious you know, and and contemplating on the emotional stuff, there is also kind of a community and family aspect. I mean, certainly Karen and I feel like you're part of the family. Yeah, well, that's true, you know, and there is a kind of a ufological community at the same time I think the general public is coming to realize that we're part of a galactic community and that includes the aliens and I think that's an important first step to eventual um, uh, open acknowledgement. I I think that uh, in my personal opinion is that's what the aliens are waiting for. We'll be ready when we're ready to be uh, uh, just be uh, part of the uh, galactic community. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. So honey, I wanted to get since you know you do don't have as much time spent here. I mean, I don't know. I shouldn't say that. You've been coming here with me for quite a few years. But I mean, what are your impressions? What, what? How does it make you feel excited for the field, coming to Roswell and seeing all of this? Does it make you feel um, sad for the field at all? I mean... Um, hmm. Well, I mean, they said they have their they had a record day yesterday through the museum and uh, they expect to have another record day so that i think it's you know to us it seems like oh it's been here forever but to other people it's new and exciting for them so i mean i think uh i think it's a positive thing and i'm glad that they're getting more and more people every year that's a really good point that there are big crowds record crowds here every year um, which is surprising, meaning the topic's becoming more and more popular. But it's not all the same people every year. And I think you even said something about this, Travis, that surprisingly when you were doing your talk, which was packed uh, yesterday, a lot of people didn't seem familiar with the details of your case. Yeah, it was brand new to a whole lot of people. And, you know, there were there were some people that I've talked to at my table here who were telling me that they're actually kind of new to the subject and they're just totally enthralled with it. You know, they're really, it's all new and all something they plan to get into and pursue. Yeah. I, I think, um, I mean, there's been a lot of families, a lot of kids, but a lot of young couples now, which is a, kind of a new phenomena. There's these young couples that are really into the field which is great because most of the people that have been in the field are, are you know getting a lot older so it seems like we're getting a lot of influx of um young people especially young couples so that's kind of cool that is cool yeah i, I just uh I, I, that's what i love i mean in that it was similar at alien con but especially here i love to ask the the crowd you know are you aware of this are you aware of that for instance are you aware of the december you know new york times article and nobody knows any of this stuff so i i think think it's fun to then be able to share that and open people's eyes to information that they've never heard before and i'm sure when they hear your story travis there's lots of open jaws and oohs and ahs oh yeah you know they're they're amazed and they're amazed at uh the you know the the uh, factual support that behind it you know the you know the, the things that have come out after investigation that uh, um, they're, they're just uh, totally uh, uh, 
amazed that they uh, they're surprised that they hadn't heard about it before but they're they're very uh, very interested to, when they do hear it so uh, one last question it's a little off topic I've been uh, a lot of people have been talking about you know us on the Kardashians or at least lately uh, it gets brought up more and it's funny the different reactions that people have and I still have kind of the same reaction I had back then which is they were very nice and intelligent and I had a good time has your view of, of our time with the Kardashians changed at all what do you think these days I get both kinds of reactions. Like, oh, really? That's cool. It depends on the generation. And, yeah. uh, young young women, I ex- kind of expect uh, a, a, a positive response. And some people go, uh, uh, God, you know, I, I never watched that show. And, and yesterday I, I mentioned the Kardashian show to a, a young lady. And she, she surprisingly said, no, I never watched that, you know. <laughs> and so I said, well, I'm kind of embarrassed to even bring it up then. <laughs> you have any regrets though? No, actually uh, they were uh, very pleasant. All right, well great. Thank you so much. Adios. Nice <laughs> nice talking to you. <laughs> Welcome back to Open Mind GFO Radio. I'm your host, Alejandro Rojas. And let's keep going with this Roswell special. We're here at the Roswell UFO Museum. All right, here in Roswell with Jason McClellan and Shane Hurd. Now, okay, so this is two different perspectives. Because, of course, Jason and I have been doing this. We've come into Roswell for years, many times together. But, Shane, this is your first time in Roswell, and this is Shane Hurd for people. What do you think? Oh, it's really cool. You know, I've been attending conferences, and those are very serious, and they should be, and they're very interesting that way. But this is sort of the different side to it, where it's really fun. It's it's kitschy, and you kind of just celebrate the whole thing, and all the culture comes out. So it's kind of a neat balance to it. Mm-hmm. So you're enjoying it? Oh, love it. It's, it's a ball, having a ball. So now, what? When was the first time, Jason, you came to Roswell? Because it's probably been at least 10 years. And what have you seen as the changes? That's the funny thing. Roswell doesn't really change. (laughs) It's always sort of the same. But, you know, I... The crowds have changed a little bit, I think. I mean, I, I do see a lot of younger people, and that's what I love about coming here because it's more of a, a celebration, a festival atmosphere, and we don't see that a lot at conferences. But I do see a lot of younger people here and people really really getting into the, the pop culture of it all. Uh, more costumes. Cosplay is certainly a bigger thing. So walking around town, you see more people in costumes and stuff. That's fun. Tons of tinfoil hats this year. I've seen a lot of tinfoil hats. Wow. I know, that's funny. You know what's funny? Like, Jess, your wife, You, you I don't think you've brought her but you talked about a lot of younger people it seems like a kind of romantic getaway because there's a lot of younger couples from all over the country there really are and i wonder how long those relationships last because really you think like one of them either the the man or the woman is the one who twists the arm and said oh let's go to the roswell ufo festival the other one's probably all are you kidding (laughs) what's funny is at least with the couples they both seem to be having fun usually and they come and they like to buy trucker hats matching trucker hats (laughs) from the table that's pretty darn romantic yeah it is. <laughs> yeah it's a lot of fun 
As far as the research, I mean, in covering Roswell, and uh, I think I heard you talk a little bit with Frank about this. Um, you know, a lot of people say nothing changes. It's an old case. Why do we cover this? What do you? What are your thoughts on that? I think Roswell is a constantly evolving case, and it will continue to be. We have, you know, obviously time is the enemy. A lot of people who were alive at that time or relatives of people who were alive directly involved with the incident have passed away and continue to pass away at a rapid rate. Um, yeah, time's the enemy. But there's still evidence out there, still evidence that's been collected, and science that can be done to that evidence, and more science that can be done at the actual debris field, at the, at the actual crash sites. So there's more science that can be applied to this case because there's still so many unanswered questions. Yeah, it seems like an old dead case that's boring, and people have done the research and research again, and we're over and done with. But my personal opinion, that's not the case. There's still good science that can be done that can provide some answers. And Shane, and I should tell people who you are, I think I've talked a little bit about you on my podcast here and there. You're kind of a social media UFO connoisseur. <laughs> and uh, So what are your thoughts on that question? Yeah, really the same thing. In fact, even the science that has been done, it's not necessarily perfect, you know, and there are things that can be relooked at from a fresh point of view as well. Um, and so I think the case is, is very relative to, to, to today. And for me, you know, it's, it's because it's happened in 47 and it's still alive today, it's really a part of the whole culture of it. And, you know, it, it does draw people and it is of interest. So I think it's hugely important. Mm-hmm. So you talked about, Shane, how, you know, there's lots of the trinkets and the fun aspects of it. But one thing that I felt uh, what's also fun for me doing lectures or talks is that uh, introducing new information to people. Because I found this at AlienCon, too. There's a panel, and I asked everybody. It was a full room. How many of you had heard of the news in December? from the New York Times. There was maybe four or five people that raised their hand. Same thing in in this today. I asked them also, how many of you heard of the book, Hunt for the Skinwalker? Not one hand. But there was two or three that had heard about the Skinwalker Ranch. So it's really cool introducing new information to people. What do you guys think? I mean, is there an opportunity for that here? I certainly think absolutely, because again, Roswell is very much a pop culture icon, and you're not dealing with a typical UFO audience here that you know has heard about Roswell over and over and over again. For a lot of these people, they know that Roswell is synonymous with UFO, but they don't necessarily know even the basic details about what happened in 1947, or is alleged to have happened in 1947. So there's a huge educational component here, and then you have the speakers like yourself who come here and talk about things besides Roswell, include Roswell, but have other other elements to it, that I think, you know, this is a fresh crowd. And not the same crowd comes here every year. I say Roswell doesn't change, but it does. I mean, the audience is always a new audience. Exactly. So, And this museum. I mean, this museum does a fantastic job telling the Roswell story. It's very educational. And I think there's a huge... I love that aspect of this festival, that they incorporate that educational component. Of course, you go to conferences and everything, Shane, so you go to where it's more education-based. Have you learned anything in the last couple of days out here? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh. Yeah, oh, no, it's been really interesting. And again, the museum, I'd never been here, and it lays out the story in such great detail, stuff that you, and it, you know, it's organized in a way that you can consume it, you know, as opposed to just looking at, you know, 
stuff on the web, which may be kind of detached and stuff. This is this kind of lays the case out, and you go around the room. And I mean, I think they've done a very effective job. And the other thing too, I like just being here and seeing is. There are a lot of kids here. I mean, kids from eight years old on up, and it's, you know, to to the point of, you know, Roswell reaching out to more people now. I mean, it, there's generations of people who will learn, be educated about it, and expand their knowledge of UFOs in general. So uh, that's why I think this is very effective, this festival. It's just a, a different spin on things. You're not going to have a kid go to a conference and sit there and listen to people talk all day, right? But this is a way to get future generations involved and interested. Mm-hmm. And you know what I think we can all appreciate because we're all social media junkies? It's selfie heaven. I mean, we're standing next to Gort here. You know, you've got the aliens over there. And I'm sure you guys have been selfing it up. I, I've, I've seen Jason have a couple. Oh, yeah. No, they, this is nonstop. You always have to have the camera out. And I have to force myself to remember that because I just walk around and I'm all, hey, that's cool. Oh, that's cool. But I need to take the pictures. So, yeah, yeah no, they're on nonstop camera here. You gotten some good selfies? Yeah, excellent selfies, and I like all the kitsch. So I'm loading up on, you know, little little alien dolls and hats and T-shirts and all that kind of stuff that you don't you know really come across in any other setting. So, you know, it's just just fun all you know all over the place. Just fun. Cool. Thanks, guys. Okay, now I am here with Tom Reed. So, Tom, uh, how many years have you been coming to Roswell as a regular speaker? Uh, about 10 years now, on and off. I missed only one year, two years ago. Wow, that's been a long time. Time flies, doesn't it? It does, yeah. It does, and it's starting to show, I think. I got some wrinkles. <laughs> you know? No, I, uh, I, I like it here. I like to speak at museums. I don't do a lot of... Um, I don't do a lot of conferences. I'm kind of picky on where, where I speak. Um, and I got another business. I'm, you know, a, a family man, single father, the whole bit. So I kind of pick and choose. But Roswell also supports, is a sponsor of my UFO park in Massachusetts. So, you know, I sponsor them. They sponsor me. And I like the environment. I like the speakers here. It's, it's very, it's kind of like the International UFO Congress. You've got some real speakers there. It's not like you're out there with, you know, you're driving all over the country for a room of 40 people. So um, it's worth my time. And, and I want to support it. And, and I, and I like their goal. I like what they're going for. You know, that's very factual here. A lot of people say, you know, and you probably hear this, oh, Roswell happened so long ago, there's nothing new to it, why should we focus on it? Although, your case happened a long time ago, too, and so people may say the same thing about your case. How do you feel about older cases and re-examining them? Well, I think, you know, I'll start with ours. Ours was 1969, but it's become more current because it was recently inducted as a historically true event. So it's fresh in the papers now, although it comes under controversy like it did before. you think people would grow up by now, but still there's controversy around it. But then again, controversy sells papers, right? That's how they look at it. As far as Roswell goes, there are some changes. Now they're allowing tours to the site, which they they didn't do before. So if you kind of just go, okay, it was a long time ago. Why focus on it anymore? Well, things change. People change. You know, the, the owners of that land, you know, the new owners are allowing people to go to the crash site now. So that is also making the Roswell crash site more current because there's something new. And if, as long as you stick to your guns, you don't waver, eventually things come around in your favor. But you can't give up. You know, stick to it. And Roswell's really important. And, and the, pic- the whole picture, you know, Betty and Barney Hill, Roswell, Travis Walton, our case. There's a lot of really good cases out there. And it just takes the right timing, the right people to get into the right positions and, 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 and make them aware that you're sitting on something that is historically valuable, histor- historically true. Don't 
give up on it just because of the topic or you think you're going to come under fire for it. You know, every, every day is a new day. Mm-hmm. And, and things change. So mm-hmm. stick with it. And I think Roswell is going to continue to grow. That is a really great point. And I was just sitting, sitting over here with Jim and uh, Don. And they were saying the numbers yesterday were bigger than ever. It seems like every year it gets bigger. Um, some people may argue, though, that, oh, these people just want to have fun. They're not really into the topic. Um, do you think there are chances to educate people on, on real cases such as your own here? Yeah, I, I do believe that. I, um, if you, The fact that they're coming says something. You know, If I go to the zoo... I may not care about the latest zebra, but I'm drawn to the zoo. There's a reason I like animals. They're here for a reason. They didn't drive from, you know, or fly from San Francisco or Philadelphia or Kentucky because they just wanted something to do. They might say that, but there's a reason they're here. There's, there's a draw. There's an allure. There's something in them. And because of all the different speakers and, you know, someone here is going to connect with that person and they're going to come back. Great point. Thank you very much. Take care, man. Thank you so much, man. All right. Now I am here with Yvonne Smith. So how many years have you been coming to the museum for the festival? Oh, my goodness. I've been, I've been coming since the 50th anniversary. Wow. <laughs> the 50th anniversary, Alejandro, was just something that I will always remember. I mean, it was the who's who of the UFO field. I mean, everyone was here. Dr. John Mack and Whitley Strieber and everyone. Um, and it being my first trip to Roswell, I was not a speaker at that time, but I, was, I had started my research and my practice. And even though I had not been a speaker, um, I was, you know, I had done several interviews and so forth. So when I arrived here, 30 minutes later, I was on MSNBC with Stan Friedman and I mean the, the media was here all over the place so I will always remember the 50th and I come here every year and it's become like my family I love being here see I wasn't here for the 50th and, and it's amazing to hear about because everybody like yourself who was here talk about how crowded it was and it is it like was a cultural phenomenon especially for um, this field because Time Magazine had that iconic um, article in it NBC ran specials everybody was running specials and it kind of like uh, even though Roswell was famous at the time it, it seemed like it made it even more famous Oh, absolutely. Um, it was, you know, it, it's something that, you know, I've st- I had studied the case. I'd met the researchers, you know, Don Schmidt, and at the time it was Kevin Randall, and then Tom Carey came on board. And then just being here, uh, and I knew Jesse Marcel Jr. very well. So just being among everyone, I was, um, one year, um, Don and Tom Carey, Don Schmidt and Tom Carey, um, took me to the debris field, and that's when Peter Jennings at the time was doing a show about Roswell and UFOs and so forth. So the, we went with the film crew, and um, it was, you know, it was such a highlight because you, after reading and studying this case, after knowing Jesse Marcel Jr. and how he told me, you know, he remembers when he was 12 years old and holding the debris in his hands, um, it just, I, I just felt, you know, this is history. 
you know, I feel like part of history. And so, um, and now, you know, it just, it, it, Roswell changes every year, but it's just so nice to see everybody and, you know, talk to people coming through. And I started the, um, about three years ago, you know how I do the experience sessions at the Congress. Well, three years ago, I t- I spoke with the um, with the museum director. I think at the time was Mark after Julie Schuster passed away, and I said, you know, I need to start a, a experience session here because I know it's needed. And for the last couple of years, I had about sixty people, and this year I asked for two hours instead of one hour. And people are coming up to me, just you say, I'll see you this afternoon. You know, just as, as in the Congress, it, it, it grows every single day. People coming from all over the world, you know, just to come to the, you know, the Congress and then coming to the experience sessions because they, they don't have anywhere to go and talk. So I'm really excited about doing that this afternoon. That's what I'll be doing for two hours. That is great. I think the more experiencer sessions in the more places, the better, because it seems like, you know, that's a big deal. Of course, talk therapy is so important, but there are so many people, and, and it's so important them to share their stories. Absolutely. And I made the announcement last night at the end of the panel, the abduction panel, um, and I wanted to invite people because they weren't sure, oh, can I come, you know. And, and I tell them, you don't have to say anything. You can ask questions. You can just listen. I don't allow medium as as we do you know at the congress no media no picture taking to keep it safe a safe environment for people and i'll tell you it's it's obviously become very effective here so um i'm looking forward to it and you know meeting as that's really the you know near and dear to my heart is meeting experiencers from all over the country and other parts of the world you mentioned about, you know, the, the 50th anniversary feeling historic. And I think that, you know, talking about Jesse Marcel Jr., who used to be here, and we all loved him. He was such a wonderful person. And uh, it did feel historic just knowing him and talking with him. And I think it's a good point when it comes to the relevancy of, of Roswell and why it continues to be relevant, because that's in question, you know, amongst especially people that we work with. But um, history was made. Yesterday, was Stanton Friedman retiring and declaring, uh, um, uh, you know, July 6th, Stanton Friedman Day? It feels like, you know, it often feels like there are historic moments that we're able to be a part of. Even the opening of, of Gort, you know, just a couple <laughs> years ago uh, here at the museum. It's just, yeah, it, I mean, this, the realization that Stan Friedman is retiring. And I, I reminded him during the 50th anniversary... We were, he and I had a picture taken in front of the mural that that used to be where the aliens are now, you know, and um, our animated aliens. And I said, you know, I looked at the picture. I said, oh, my God, Stan had hair and it was dark. And, <laughs> you know, that was a long time ago. And I, I really treasure that. We had a couple pictures taken together. And now, you know, with his retirement, you know, I've been in this field for 26 years and you know I look around at all of us and I said gosh we're getting older (laughs) 
our colleagues that passed away. I mean, when Jesse Marcel Jr. passed away, it just, oh my gosh, it, it still um, is very painful for me. His daughter, Denise, called me that morning, and I was getting ready for one of my Ciro support group meetings, and she just wanted to tell me personally. And I just, I thought, oh my gosh, you know, he's gone too soon, and, and you know, other people in the field, and, and here... Stan is, this is his last year, which is really going to be strange not having him here, you know, anymore. Yeah, it will be strange. It reminds me of the story because a couple years ago he was sick and he had the heart issues. And um, so he wasn't able to make it. Right. And um, Kathleen put that picture of him at it at the table. (laughs) And everybody thought he had passed away then. I know. Well, that was really strange. I guess that was about three years ago or so when we got the word that he had a heart attack. And, of course, when you say, you know, when you hear heart attack, um, you get... You know, really frightened. You think, oh my God, is he going to survive? And we had him. I don't know if you remember, it was during the panel, the Roswell panel, we had him on a speaker phone, and everybody said, you know, hello to him, and we're sending well wishes. And even that, when he wasn't here because he had the heart attack, was really strange. But here, after, you know, next year, he's not going to be here. Yeah. But, you know, I wish him well, and um, he's done a lot for the field, and he's just tired. I mean, you know, yeah. he deserves to to take it easy now, um, but he's, uh, you know, we'll always be grateful to him for, for stepping forward, and then his position as a um, nuclear physicist to, you know, to present his findings. I mean, he's... He was the one, really, who contacted J- Jesse Marcel Sr. If it wasn't for that, we wouldn't even be here. Yeah. That's amazing to me. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I keep thinking about over and over again, is we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Stanton. This museum might not be here if it exactly. wasn't for Stanton. That's amazing to me. So, um, the last question is it, about the relevancy of Roswell. You know, in this day and age... Um, why do you think Roswell's important? I think it's been important. You know, um, when people ask me about UFOs and what's it all about, I, I don't go into the abductions, of course, because that's just really hard for some people to handle. I tell them, watch the Roswell movie that was, you know, out several years ago. And uh, anyway, I was able to go to the screening of that which oh my gosh that oh, was really? another highlight yes yeah that's great and i also tell them to read the books you know don schmidt and tom carey and i said because of all the the what well, was in 1947 so back then military was word the government was word i mean everybody just you know revered the military and government so here not only civilian witnesses came forward when when the crash happened, but over, what, 350, or probably more now, military witnesses came forward. Um, and and just, just how it was, how people around here were threatened at the time. I, I remember um, Frankie Rowe, and I hope she's here this year. She's in her 80s now, but she was about 12 years old at the time. Her father was the fire chief who first went out with his crew because everyone thought it was a plane crash. So they went out, and then he came home, and he told her, he goes, I, I saw the little 
what did he call them? Little, I think he said little creatures. And the little creatures were about your height, Frankie, because she was about 12. And he described them as being, you know, really, really small. And, um, and you know, my gosh, why would he even come home and tell his daughter a lie? Yeah. You know, why would he make something like that up? Yeah. So it's fascinating talking to people like Frankie who were who were here and witnessed what happened. Did you, uh, because you were in the area, I think that you had spent time with Edgar Mitchell, um, who was from Roswell. Did you talk to him about Roswell ever? I met, yeah, I met Edgar Mitchell several years ago. And basically, no, I didn't, you know, we didn't go into, we, he introduced himself to me and he said, Oh, I wanted to let you know I really believe in hypnotherapy. I've, I've used it. He said it really helps. So he was really wanting to talk to him about hypnotherapy with me. Mm. But it was wonderful. I'm looking at him like going, he's an astronaut. Yeah. <laughs> and one thing that I remembered, I don't know if you were here during that one, that festival, but I, it was several years ago when Edgar Mitchell stood up in front of the audience, huge audience. I think it was may have been one of the panels. And he said, Roswell happened. Roswell is real. I have sources. I can't divulge them. But I want you to all know that this happened. I mean, what more, you know, of the credibility do you need as one of our astronauts saying that this is real? You know, that, that, that did it for me, <laughs> you know. Besides all the other research I did on Roswell, speaking to the to the main researchers, so that another highlight. So many highlights. Yeah. Well, great. Thank you so much. Thank you very much for having me on. All right. Someone I forgot to mention before was uh, uh, Tom Reed, who we snuck in there. But it's now time for a break. Uh, for those of you who are listening on KGRA, you'll hear some commercials. For the rest of you, you'll hear a short musical interlude, and we'll be right back with Open Minds UFO Radio here at the Roswell UFO Museum. Welcome back to Open Mind UFO Radio. I'm your host, Alejandro Rojas. And let's keep going with this Roswell special. We're here at the Roswell UFO Museum. All right, I am here with Jim Hill, the new director. Well, fairly new. I guess it's been a year. Third Third year. year. Wow, time flies. So at the UFO Roswell Museum. So three years. How's this year going? This year's going great. We're, I'm expecting us to exceed uh, last year's record-breaking crowds, and uh, we had over 3,000 people in the museum yesterday alone on a Friday, which is ex- exceptional. 
mm-hmm. and it's going really well. I think everybody's having a great time. You know, in the UFO field, a lot of people will think, oh, Roswell, that again. But what's interesting is you're growing every year. Is that a surprise to you? Um, really not. I mean, it's nice. It's very nice. Every And you're right. We are growing every year. Um, and it's due to uh, having people like you around uh, and spreading the message. Uh, international media is in here all the time. Um, and it just keeps the keeps the subject uh, in the forefront Mm -hmm. what was it like for you to take over uh, the directorship of a a famous ufo museum was it kind of strange for maybe family and friends well yeah they uh, they couldn't they didn't (laughs) they were surprised i had a banker for 35 years and uh, this is something totally different than banking Mm -hmm. but uh, it's a lot of fun and uh, we think we're in the entertainment business here too and that's uh it's fun to watch people have fun. Mm-hmm. So Stan Friedman, he's been coming here, of course, for years. Uh, I think it's a, it's a strong argument that he's the reason we're all here. He made the case uh, uh, publicly known. What's it going to be like now that he's retiring and he might not be around? Well, there's lots of folks. I'm not going to say filling his shoes yet, but following right behind him, yourself included, uh, Yvonne, Don. I mean, there's just a lot of people that are going to pick up the slack, and we hope we can talk um, Stanton into coming back on an occasion also. Mm-hmm. And is there anything new in store for the museum? Do you have some new plans, anything you could share? Well, we, are, uh, we gave our gift shop a facelift, just finished that in June, and we're working on uh, doing uh, plans for... Uh, moving back in the display areas, um, starting with the 1947 timeline and looking at updating that in terms of technology and things of that nature. So it, um, we're, we're working on it. It's kind of step by step, and we're being careful how we do it because we don't want to ruin a good thing. Um, with our tenants, uh, people are liking what it, the way it is, but we also want to freshen it up use modern technology uh visual vision more visual type things mm-hmm. and one thing that you all have always done is is kind of kept a prize of things being a research center and you do add new uh displays on occasion periodically uh have you added some in the last year and are there plans for more we'd, we'd like to do a lot more of that mm-hmm. one of the our constraints in the museum is in the exhibit area in particular the way it's configured now, it limits our ability to do temporary um, temporary exhibits, mm-hmm. which is something we'd like to change to keep new things coming in and being able to do that more. Mm-hmm. All right, great. Well, thank you for uh, taking the time, and thank you for k- taking over the museum. I think this has been a great era. I know you've definitely got an air of cooperation uh, that that you want to bring to the museum, and and it's been a great three years. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate your support, too, Alejandro, very much. Absolute pleasure. So, And do you plan on sticking around for a while? I'll be here until the board gets rid of me. (laughs) (laughs) All right, great. Thank you. All right, thank you so much. It's not news to us, but it may be news to some people that you're retiring. It's about time. I mean, I turned 84 in a few weeks. I've been at this for 60 years. I'm getting tired of traveling, and 
enough is enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not saying I'm forgetting UFOs. Uh, of course not. But uh, I've, it's been pretty hectic for me. Mm-hmm. I recently spoke in uh, Arkansas. Four flights to get there. That's work for an old guy mm-hmm. at airports and stuff, you know. And so uh, I'm cutting down. Mm-hmm. About time. Yeah. My wife says. <laughs> well, I, you're one of the hardest working guys in this field, let alone, you know, putting research aside. You do so many lectures and events around the world. Well, I have, I've only lectured in 19 countries and all 50 <laughs> states and 10 provinces. You That's know. all. That's all. About how many lectures do you think you've done? Well over 700. Mm-hmm. 700. And when it comes to doing the lectures, of course, there's the preaching to the choir aspect where you're talking to um, people who are already kind of apprised of, of this topic. But about how many of those lectures do you think are to organizations or groups of people that really aren't familiar with UFOs? Well, more than half, I'd say, over the years. Uh, college audiences, uh, engineering societies. Mm-hmm. I've spoken at the Engineering Society of Detroit, Engineering Society of Cincinnati, and a c- couple of others. And these, you start cold. I mean, uh, what do they know? And I was. One of the early ones, uh, the Engineering Society of Detroit was sold out a couple of weeks in advance for a thousand and eight people for dinner and a talk. Wow. Surprised them, surprised mm-hmm. me too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, so what I have found, because I had no way to gauge in advance, that there's a great deal of interest in the subject, but the interest is tempered by fear of ridicule if you let people know you're interested and well I'm interested but nobody else is because everybody thinks it's a nutty subject and you know stuff like that so Mm -hmm. I learned very quickly that there is very widespread interest a number of organizations have had the largest crowd ever when I spoke it's not me personally they've heard of me and my background looks interesting let's say but uh, it's not famous person kind of interest and uh, I, I, I spoke to a bunch of newsmen in St. John, New Brunswick. Uh, they had a meeting of the something like New Brunswick Journalist Society, something like that. And the guy told me afterward, my contact, that uh, the people were amazed at how much information there was about which they had known nothing. Mm-hmm. So it served a useful function, uh, made them aware. And remember, my role is to educate, not convince. That is, uh, I'm not trying to make people wildly pro-UFO. I'm trying to make them aware that there's a lot of good, solid information here that most people don't know about. And especially with the press, you want them to be aware of that information. Mm -hmm. I mean, they think, you know, a case or two or three or four. And I talk about cases of cases (laughs) you know, large-scale scientific studies. And I, I've tried on occasion, I'll talk about, say, Blue Book Special Report 14, biggest study ever done, information on 3,201 cases and so forth. But the important thing is I find out that fewer than 5% of the people have read it. Mm-hmm. And the same with most of the other big studies. So I'm trying to make people aware that you know, we're not talking about individual cases. We're talking about a lot of events that have been investigated seriously. You know, there is a body of data 
don't undersell it. Don't say, well, there's nothing there but a few people talking about having seen a light in the sky. Well, there's a lot more to it than that. Mm -hmm. And that's why I refer to documents, uh, not only Blue Book Special Report 14, uh, but even the Condon Report, supposedly all negative. Well, 30% of their cases couldn't be identified. Mm -hmm. Yesterday, I talked about Claude Poher, who was um, influenced by the Condon Report to begin UFO studies in France, which continue to this day. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, people ask the wrong question. It's not, are all UFOs alien spacecraft? The question is, are any? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and we're accustomed to that. Uh, as a nuclear guy, are all isotopes fissionable? No, of course not. Give me the one that is. I don't care about the ones that are. Mm -hmm. you know? so, it's the same with UFOs. Yes, most things can be explained. Let's look at the ones that can't be. They're the yeah. ones that matter. What are their characteristics? And the thing is that people jump to conclusions, the noisy negativists. Uh, you know, the whole question, can you get here from there? In the first place, uh, why would you assume that uh, if you can get here from there, you would know about it? Mm -hmm if you're not working in that area, if you haven't looked at the evidence. It may be using techniques about which you're totally unaware. Mm -hmm. Now I have a different background. I worked on nuclear rocket engines, real ones. I worked on far out systems, uh, nuclear aircraft, fusion rockets, stuff like that. So I know that there have been programs conducted dealing with far out <laughs> stuff. Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, I hear people on occasion say, oh, it would violate the laws of physics. There's not a lot that violates the laws of physics. What it violates is your understanding of what's going on in the world, which may be very limited because you haven't looked enough. You know? Right. So uh, people can, you know, be heard in the background and everything because we are at the Roswell Museum. And this moment right now is particularly special because it's Sunday it's kind of the wrap-up day of the festival for this year, 2018. And with you retiring, um, this will be your last visit, annual visit, to this festival. Yes. Um, how does that feel? Well, I, I, frankly, it's kind of sad. Uh, Roswell's been an important part of my life for a long time. And, uh, uh, you know, it's winding down. Mm -hmm. The old man's taken off, and so there's riding off into the sunset kind of thing. Uh, I don't feel bad in the sense that, look at the place. Uh, you know, they've done a heck of a lot of good stuff. And uh, Last year, there were 223,000 visitors to the museum. Wow. Which, when you consider Roswell's in the middle of nowhere, mm -hmm. is very good. It's not on the way that yeah. everybody goes by. So it feels very good. It's something to which I've contributed. It's not a, well, how sad. I'm sad because I've enjoyed being here, talking to people, educating them, uh, stimulating them, I hope, sometimes arguing with them, you know. But uh, it's, uh, you know, life is full of milestones. This is a milestone. Mm -hmm. Okay, I've been there, done that. Now it's time to do something else. Well, I think you're putting it mildly when you say you've contributed to the museum, because really, I think people can argue that Roswell would not be uh, the worldwide well-known phenomena it is uh, if it weren't for you, if it wasn't for your interviewing Jesse Marcel Sr. and making 
and then doing follow-up investigation and making that all public. I, I worked hard at that, right. And I, I was very favorably impressed with Jesse Marcel, uh, senior, and then with Jesse Marcel, junior. And when you get impressive people with good background, military background, and with clearances and all the rest of that stuff, you don't get to be the intelligence officer for the only atomic bombing group in the world by being some kind of a fool or, a, you know, that's a measure of capability. They don't appoint idiots to those jobs, mm -hmm. you know. So I, I've been impressed, and uh, I've been impressed even looking at uh, Colonel Blanchard, uh, the head of the 509th at Roswell, uh, basically Marcel's boss. And the noisy negatives, oh, he was a loose cannon. I had one guy say that to me. Well, he went on to be a four-star general and vice chief of staff of the United States Air Force and had been head of the, uh, the Air, De not Air Defense Command, a, a big group like that, uh, with lots of uh, nuclear weapons under him. Again, these are not things. He was West Point, of course, and, and stuff like that. But. Uh, and I, it irks me when the, the debunkers leave out significant aspects of the background of the people. Mm -hmm. uh, the military, especially post-World War II, uh, with the Russian threat looming and, you know, and all that stuff, uh, made a real effort to have top-notch people running mm -hmm. their shows. You couldn't not do that because you know, people may forget, but we were anticipating a war. It wouldn't have surprised anybody if there had been a, a, a war between us and the Soviets. And so you had to have good people. And I'm impressed by those good people. It's not arbitrary. Hey, take the first five officers and make them heads of these groups. You know, it doesn't work that way. Mm -hmm. With do you ever kind of sit back and think about the impact that it's it's had? I mean, it's it's culturally the whole Roswell case. I mean, there's television series that have been started uh, with it. You know, people all over the world coming to the museum, but it, it's this term. It's almost the one term in ufology that is universally known by people. Yeah, I, I feel you're right. Wherever I go in the world, people ask me about Roswell. Mm -hmm. And I am pleased to take credit as the first civilian investigator of the Roswell incident. And people say, why do you say it that way? I say, well, look, the government didn't ignore Roswell when it happened. They just didn't go public with all their insides of their investigation. You, you expect them to publish uh, autopsies on the bodies that recovery? No. Mm -hmm. and, one of the things that I bring to the table is I worked under security for 14 years. I understand how that works, and that sometimes you have to keep secrets. I do not think the public is entitled to know everything that's going on. There's an old line, you can't tell your friends without telling your enemies. Mm -hmm. They listen to the radio too, <laughs> you know. So I've been pleased that, uh, you might say I put Roswell on the map, mm -hmm. so to speak. And I look around at this fine library and museum, and I'm pleased about that. If I had something to do with that, good. It gives me satisfaction. We need to look at the stuff that isn't 
clear cut in the world because that's the world of the future. Mm. And certainly, uh, we're coming at a time where most people are finally getting ready to recognize that we're part of a larger system than just Earth. Mm. Uh, that there are others out there. And we're not the big shots we'd like to think we are, you know, and all that sort of stuff. And I get a kick out of uh, recent findings that there are 1.6 planets per star. You know, Frank Drake had said there might be 8,000 planets. And now we're talking in the Milky Way uh, 100 million, uh, 100 billion, sorry. <laughs> That's a few zeros between friends. Uh, in other words, our view of the neighborhood has changed drastically. And I, I think that's very good. We need to wake up to the fact. You know, Co Copernicus wasn't accepted for 300 years. I mean, of course the sun's the middle of the universe. Everybody mm -hmm. knows that. It's perfectly mm -hmm. obvious. Just look around. You can see it every day, you know. So it takes, a, new ideas come to be accepted, generally speaking. Not because their opponents come to believe in them, but because their opponents die and a new generation grows up that's accustomed to them. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad to see uh, some of the old guys dying and the new guys coming up who uh, accepted the reality of something new, different, mm -hmm. exciting. Uh, it's good to be part of that. Mm -hmm. Speaking of big shots, uh, you are even a bigger big shot than, than you were coming to town because uh, the mayor the other day declared July 6th Stanton Friedman Day. How did that feel? It frankly felt very good. <laughs> uh, Frederick didn't have a Stanton Friedman Day, my hometown. Day. Right, yeah, so this is your second town with a Stanton Friedman Day. Yeah, and you know, it's nice to be honored before you shuffle off this mortal coil, you know, whatever <laughs> the phrase is, but uh, it pleases me. I, I've got an ego, maybe more than most. So it's nice to be recognized. But I must say that I take my my superhero reputation seriously, in other words. I feel like I have to earn it. I have mm -hmm. to pitch in and deal with it. One thing, I grew up listening to radio before television was widespread. So I've enjoyed doing radio interviews. And one of the nice things is you can do it at home. <laughs> You know, in your, in your I do I do some of them in my pajamas and robe, the late <laughs> night shows and stuff. You know, if you had to do that in person, what a pain! But yeah, sit back at two o'clock in the morning doing interviews mm -hmm. uh, doesn't make my wife happy, but uh, at least I don't need to put on a suit and a tie. <laughs> so I, I've enjoyed. Uh, I, I mention it because there are other ways. I, I've written books. And I've done television shows and appeared on a number of television programs. And I still like radio interviews because uh, you can reach out and they can reach you and you don't need to traipse around all over the place. It's not that I'm against travel, but I've done so darn much of it. Yeah. And come, starting, when you start in Fredericton, it isn't easy to get anywhere. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, two or three flights to get every place, sometimes four. Yeah. So uh, radio is nice uh, sit at home in my easy chair you know mm -hmm. so I, i've enjoyed all the media stuff uh, not, not just for the ego but because it's an opportunity to spread the word mm -hmm. to lots of people uh, yeah. and without having to 
break my neck to get from Fredericton to off to Podunk. <laughs> you know, it's not easy. Yep. Well, I think it's worth it. Now people have to come to you if they want to get you on camera. That's right. Mm -hmm. Here well, we are. Thank you so much. It's been an honor to be able to take a moment to, to interview you at this important time. And um, having come to Roswell for so many years, you're, you're definitely going to be missed. Well, I hope so. Uh, get people thinking, gee, where's Stan, Stan we're here? What would he say? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They'll have to call you and do a radio show to, to find out. Fine with me. <laughs> right. Thank Thanks you. a lot, a historic moment, so I am so happy that I got the chance to interview Stanton um, here and be here to see, you know, and be involved with Stanton's last Roswell appearance. It's so strange. Um, and it, I'm, I kind of felt that he would be more humble about the fact that, you know, he created uh, all the stir about Roswell, but actually I, I'm happy that he is, uh, you know, confident enough and more than happy to uh, claim and, and take credit for the important role that he has played in all of this. Really, if it wasn't for Stanton Friedman's research, we would not know about Roswell and Roswell would not be this huge thing. And it is. It's the biggest thing in ufology. When uh, people think UFOs, they think Roswell and everybody around the world knows about Roswell. So pretty cool so it's also cool to be here at the roswell ufo museum every year uh these people are great jim who you heard there is great don schmidt who is one of the presidents uh he's the president of the board of directors is great so always good to see him he's of course super busy at these things so i couldn't really include him in the show unfortunately but uh, all of the staff here at the museum are also great. They're so very professional, and they take great care of us. They've provided us with water and snacks and everything. So thank you so much to those people. Uh, this is always a lot of fun. A little nostalgic as it's Sunday and we're wrapping up. But uh, otherwise... For uh, other things going on. So, of course, like I talked about, you can check out my Facebook. I live stream some of kind of a little tour here at the museum that you can check out. Um, I also live stream the parade last night. Uh, I was sitting next to Dawn and uh, Steve Bassett, Joe Buckman, Karen, of course, Travis Walton. You can watch us being a bunch of goofballs at the uh, parade that they hold here at Roswell. And then I want to thank everybody who was on the show. So Shane and Jason and Frank Kimbler and Jim Hill and Travis and Tom Reed and Yvonne Smith. And did I miss anybody? I said Frank Kimbler. I think I got it. And Karen, of course. Until next time, of course, I want to thank you, all the listeners, for being here. But until next time, adios, muchachos.